Oh, I, I get super starstruck. Like if if ever I meet anybody famous, I always um, yeah, no, I never ha- I never handle. Well, I was in um, the chiropractor uh, recently, and I came out, and um, and I was wearing these rainbow shoes and like this sort of rainbow tie dye dress, and then this like really um, pretty blonde girl said, "Oh, I love your shoes. They are just my style." And I went, "Oh, it's Miley Cyrus." <laughs> and um, and, I, and then I was like, "Oh, I said, oh." Thank you, because I thought in L- when I went to LA, I'd run into famous people all the time. Yeah, and maybe I just don't recognize. Maybe I don't know who the famous people are, but I feel like I never see any of them. And so I'm really, I'm just so happy anytime that I run into one of them, especially if they compliment my shoes. Welcome to MTC Talks. I am Sarah Corridan, and that was Lally Katz, one of Australia's most produced and widely loved playwrights. Lally joins me today to tell us about her brand new play, Minnie and Laraz, what inspired her to write a play about the card game Bridge, set inside a retirement home, and why theatre remains her first true love. The question I want to ask you is, are you ever afraid, because you've already told me that your grandparents were a huge inspiration for mm-hmm. Minnie and Laraz, but are you ever afraid of the representations you make in your plays or uh, about the people in your real life? And is there anything that you strictly won't write about? I'm, no, I'm definitely afraid all the time. And, um, and uh, honestly, people don't really like it. <laughs> so my parents really don't like it. I've written a lot about them. And, you know, I love them. But they, they're always like, my dad's always like, please, please don't write about us anymore. And my mom, my mom, after the last play, she said, honey, your next play, please don't write about the family. I said, but mom, it's already programmed and it's all about the family. But uh, I do worry about it. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I worry with, with Minnie and Laraz. I... Was in my grandparents have passed away now, and they always said, "Write about us, write about us." And um, I was very, very close with them, and I loved them very, very much. So I guess what the problem is is with my plays, they are part real life, but then part fiction. So basically, what I do is take these characters that I love in real life, and then make up a story about them, and that's what that's what people don't like. I mean, with stories I want to tell you in person about me, it was all 100% true. And there's always like an emotional truth to it. But I think with Minnie and Laraz, in order for it to be funny, that I've sort of played on different parts of my grandparents' personalities that are maybe more negative than they, you know, just to have the humor. But I think, I don't think they would hold it against. But, oh yeah, no, I'm definitely worried about uh, family seeing it and, and being insulted. I'm really interested in the role your your grandparents played in your life and how they influenced you. A lot of people don't spend time with the, the elderly people in their life and and recognise that when they leave, their stories go with them. Have you always been super close to your grandparents? Well, I was always close with them, but we moved from... I mean, they lived in, in real life. In the play, they're in Melbourne, but in, um, in real life, they were in New Jersey. And, um, and so I for years wouldn't see much of them but we would write to each other and talk on the phone and I always loved them I always had a really strong love for them and and I always felt very very loved by them and then when I was in my 20s I started to spend a lot of time in New York most weekends I would go 
stay with them at their retirement home in New Jersey, which so all my friends would be kind of going out in New York City and be like, no, I'm going to my grandparents. But um, I knew how precious our time together was. And so when they did die, finally, I was I was really heartbroken. And, and I mean, it wasn't a tragedy because they were in their late mid to late 90s. But uh, yeah, I didn't know how much I would miss them. And it's funny now, like we'll, we'll be in rehearsal and um, we've got all these pictures, you know, the set designer hangs up all these pictures. And a lot of them are pictures I'd taken of my grandparents and like funny things that were happening in their retirement home and stuff. And, and I think, oh, all those years and, and time that I spent there, it's all here now and it's all happening. And and um, and um it sort of makes me miss them even more because I sort of think, oh, I wish they could have seen this play. And, I you know, they might have been a little, they might not have loved everything about it, but I think they would have gotten, I think they would have gotten a kick out of it. Tell me about any specific moments in your life as a writer where you've had a vision for a new idea or just a burst of creative energy and written down the now infamous plotline. Oh, I, I guess I'm always, my way of being in the world is I am always looking for stories and that's the first thing I see anywhere is it, our characters or how people are feeling and dramas or tensions between people or or what someone might be dreaming about or, or like that's um that's what I, yeah that's the sort of first thing that I and even with myself like if I'm sad I'm thinking oh that's what I do when I'm sad and I sort of I act like that and my voice sounds like that or and um and that used to bother me but now like I used to always think oh I'm such a a weirdo like I'm an observer of life but um but now I think no I'm it doesn't mean I'm not part of life I'm just observing it while I'm in it and um which I guess most people do in one way or another, but um, but I guess um, so I guess like in some ways there's part of me that is always struck. Like if I hear someone on the street say something, like, or if I hear like a certain line, or or if someone I know says a certain thing to me, and so- suddenly something will happen, or I'll go, oh, that line opens up this, or or often it will be in real life, like I'll meet a person, like when I met Anna from Neighborhood Watch, or I met um. Cookie and Bella, the psychics I wrote about, it was like this, as soon as I met them, it was like this magic fairy dust started going through the air. It was like the atmosphere changed. I was like, oh, you, oh. And it's this feeling of going, oh, I'm in the story. I'm in the story now. And and then sort of all these things kind of come together like little bits and pieces and clues. So you have like little bits of inspiration everywhere. And then you get this big thing of inspiration, which is sort of more of in a conscious way where you go, how is this all going to come together as one story? And suddenly you sort of see how all the particles become a whole. And and that's super exciting. And that often takes like some, you know, a lot of like sitting down and writing notes about the characters. And then you do that and then you go for a walk and suddenly you go, oh, I get it. I get it. Do you ever find, given so much goes into the building of ideas and kind of the subconscious research or observations. Do you ever want to rewrite or, or I'm interested about the rehearsal process when you're seeing it come to life or maybe even mid-season or opening mm-hmm. night, do you ever feel like a work is fully finished? Or never, you, never, never, ever. In fact, I can't even, like when people ask me to send them uh, one of my plays, I can't because all my plays 
are in sort of bits and pieces of my computer. So the only, so I just have to get my agent to send them because they are the only ones who have ones that have stopped. Like it's like that's a final draft. Whereas, I mean, in rehearsals now, we just kind of cut, you know, probably 10 pages, which, you know, which is good because it was suddenly, it's funny, you work on a script, you work on a script with the director, with the dramaturg so closely. And then suddenly it's up there being done and you go, oh, they've said that four times now. And you go, I just didn't notice it before. <laughs> It, I didn't notice, and suddenly you see it. And so we, the actors were great. We just cut a whole bunch of stuff better now than in four weeks. And I'm sure we'll cut stuff in four weeks too. But um, but and then absolutely, then you see it. You after then you see it with an audience for the first time, and you go, and suddenly it's like you're seeing it new again. And it's like it's like it keeps making itself visible to you in different ways that actually are just not you're actually physically not able to see them until these certain things happen and then of course like mid-season you know if I watch the show a whole bunch by mid-season I kind of go oh I see what I would have done differently here and if we could do another season I would change that or um and by the end of the season again you sort of you you have yeah there's always stuff that I would change but the funny thing is if I were to go back and try and make changes on a play that I wrote when I was 25 I don't think I could do it because it's like a different writer wrote that. And so, cause I've tried to do that stuff before and it's just like, it doesn't work. It doesn't ring true. Cause I'm not, I'm not in that character in that world anymore. Speaking of the, the work you created when you were 25 and yeah, that, that different person, a different writer, you've obviously grown. When was the, the first moment that you thought, okay, I'm really getting traction now. And can you kind of describe that? <sighs> I guess, I mean, look, for me, every single thing always feels like life or death. Like everything, every project always feels like this is either going to make or break my career. And I think in a way that's true. Like, I mean, I think I guess you're afforded, every every artist has failures. And no matter how much you try not to, sometimes you do. And, um, and often they're the things you learn the most from. But I think, I mean... Every single show I ever did, I remember when I was 18, I was doing um, a play at my university, like we'd, I produced it and production managed all this stuff and um, we'd sent out these handwritten media releases and I remember going, think, say, like me and my friends going, this is it, we're going to make it big, we're going to get discovered, this is a play and you know, it wasn't and um, <laughs> and, but I think every single play I ever did, I always thought that, I was always like, this is the one, and um, and and um, and I guess I guess that when I find like when I actually started getting, it was it was in stages. First, it was um, getting commissioned to write youth theater plays when I was um, uh, like when I was twenty twenty one, and um, and that felt huge to me, and I learned a lot doing that. And then it was working with um, Stuck Pig Squealing Theater. We had some really small shows that um got a lot of traction, and that that felt quite different. And then I started getting commissions by, you know, like by, like by the bigger companies, like by the Melbourne theater company, by Malthouse, by Belvoir and Sydney theater company and stuff. And I, um, and I remember going, Oh, this is different. And, it, and suddenly you're in that, that part of the ocean. And then, um, I guess, cause there's no guarantees. You're always like, I don't know. Is anyone going to do my place this year? I don't know. Maybe that may, and programming time, you never know if, if something's going to happen or if it's going to fall over. But you never know. You always think it's going to be right. So. <laughs> You're an eternal optimist. I <laughs> yeah. love that. 
want to talk a little bit about your collaborations as well. You've had creative partnerships, well, reoccurring creative partnerships with your director of Vanilla yeah. Raz and Louise Sachs and designer Mel Page, they're regular collaborators. What do you love most about working with those particular women? I guess what happens is you develop a theatrical language together that you can just easily slip into. And I guess there's a reason why you collaborate regularly with someone, and that's because you your tastes meet you get along well and and you make something better together than you would make without each other and 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 louise sarks and i have worked together in all different capacities she's been an actor in two of my plays she has um directed me performing stories i want to tell you in person so we we've had we've done all these sorts of different things together but she's never actually just directed one of my plays that i've just written and not not been in and um but she is She's brilliant. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant director of writing, like working with her on the script. She's very harsh in a good way. She's very she really pushes me and um makes me um make sure that I work hard and um and or just doesn't let me let me go until she's she's sure we've done everything we can. And um I guess the people I work with become some of my closest friends. So she and I have also because we have gone on all these adventures together for our work. We became super great friends. Like we, she came and saw the psychics with me in New York. We went on tour with this show in India, and, and we just spent so much time together. And then Mel Page I, is um just like a a really really brilliant woman and and super um very open and and also kind of has a real magic to her work. And so she's always she's very good at creating. She's very good at grounding a kind of a, 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 an imaginative world but but not in like a heavy way in a way that you can kind of spring off it and stuff and and I mean this Minnie and Laraz doesn't really have magic in it it's quite a wild show but in, in some ways but both she and Mel are very good at kind of creating magic but also keeping it so that it feels very real Given the fact that you are you're about to get on a plane back to LA working I mean theatre is would you say your first oh priority and your biggest love yeah theater is the of, love of my life yeah yeah so can you can you tell me why is theater so magic to you and why is it the love of your life I guess well I just it always made sense to me it just always made sense that there are people telling each other stories acting things out just as when I was a kid I was just always acting stuff out and making up stories with the neighborhood kids and stuff and it just always made sense to me that an audience and the performers create the show together that the audience dreaming into it is just as much of a part of the show as what it's kind of 50 50 it's like and it sort of meets in the middle and it's this kind of agreed upon space of imagination and um and I don't think anything else does that the way theater does it like yeah you have people dreaming into these characters and and words and 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 sets and stuff but um theater just always made actually more sense to me than real life did and still does well thank you so much for giving up your time to oh, share these amazing Sarah, it insights was a pleasure. and we cannot wait to see Minnie and Laraz on stage soon Minnie and Laraz has its world premiere at the Arts Centre's Fairfax studio on the 12th of May and plays until the 24th of June. 
Book online at mtc.com.au or phone the box office on 03 This podcast is part of the MTC Talks series. To listen to more episodes, search for MTC Talks in the iTunes Store or on SoundCloud.